0: You are listening to Seventeen Carat K-pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-pop twist. Visit Seventeen Weebly. Com for more information about the show. That's one seven C A R A T K P O P. Weebly. Com. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Seventeen Carat K-pop. Today on the show, my latest round of yays and nays about things I love and things I don't that are going on in the K-pop world lately. There's more updates about Taemin's newest album and the deeper meaning of it that he has confirmed that add to my theories that I just talked about on the show. So, And also, he has some unique insight into how we should review media content. At least, that's what I took out of it and extrapolated from what he said. So... There's a comment from him that I really want to focus on and talk about. I also want to celebrate a special anniversary of a song that not enough people know about. I've also got updates about Psy and JY Park. BTS have a very special new interview out that I want to highlight. There are a few nays to address, like a breakup that broke me, and a lot more content to cover. Just a bunch of headlines from a bunch of companies and a bunch of artists to get to. And then I do have to share some updates for the quarantine segment of the show, going into what the concert industry looks like in 2020 and the plans for 2021. Ticketmaster is working on bringing shows back sooner rather than later, and I have the details. I also have details about the results of that study we talked about on a previous episode in Germany, where they held an indoor concert and used control variables to see how much an outbreak might spread at one of those indoor events, and so I have the results to share. I also have some reports from Wollum Entertainment's first in-person fan meeting since COVID hit, how that went, and how they tried to do an in-person fan meeting safely, what that means for the future of in-person events, all of that. So much to get to today, so without further ado, let's get to my yays and nays. I always like to try to have more yays than nays in a week, and that was definitely the case this week. I have eight yays and only two nays. My first yay is super, super exciting. I had such an honor and the pleasure of interviewing Minzy from 21 for my latest interview for this show. That is now available on the Seventeen Karat K-Pop website if you want to go read the story I got to talk to Minzy about everything from her past days in the band 21 to her solo career aspirations and the messages she sends in her solo music. Minzy brings a really unique and interesting perspective to hearing about the K-pop industry, having been involved in it for over a decade, and so she has a lot of experience that she can pass on to the next generation of stars. So I definitely think she is well beyond qualified to be this agency head and the way she talks about the values she wants to instill in young performers, I found very, very just impressive and worth noting. Hopefully other agencies take note of the values that are driving her because I think she's a great inspiration. So if you want to hear more about Minzy and her thoughts about her past, present, and future of her career and just her life. We have quite a wide-ranging conversation, and that article is now up at 17 kpopweeblycom And I believe if you go to 17karatkpop.weebly.com slash posts, that is also where you can find it. It's in the blog section of the site. Really excited to have that interview up now, so I, please do read it and share it, spread the word, because I'd love to continue to interview these K-pop stars. I love hearing more about their journeys in their careers, and their, the mindset behind their music and their future plans, all of it. So I hope to keep asking them interesting questions that are worth your time to read about. So hopefully those interviews are being read and appreciated because I love to make them. Second piece of exciting news, everything combined from SM Entertainment artists lately. I just put this all into one category of exciting SM Entertainment artist updates. First of all, we have a little bit of more new information now on NCT's Resonance Part 2 album that is out very, very soon. We have some tracklist reveals here. Some of the songs in the tracklist will include 90's Love, that's the name of it, My Everything, Raise the Roof, Work It, I O U. The outro will be called Dream Routine, which I found really interesting. Let me get on my theory hat, because you know I will go overboard with whenever they use the word dream in their title, as you've probably heard before if you've listened to the NCT specific episodes of the show, but anyway. And congrats to NCT Dream for becoming the first Asian artist to be on Billboard's 21 Under 21 list for three years in a row. That is one of the many benefits of having a group with so many members, because Every time one subunit meet, meets a certain milestone, the next subunit can, still has a chance to meet that milestone, so it's like getting to watch each of your friends graduate a different year. It's like something new and exciting milestone-wise every year, even if one group seems to have grown out of that title. This episode is being recorded on November 12th, so I would like to say happy anniversary to Teon's very first debut live performance of his solo song, GTA. Really still hoping and holding out for a studio version of that sooner rather than later, especially given that I think if it was a part of Tayon's first mixtape, which I'm crossing my fingers for every day, It would have a really cool, with that sparkly mask and everything, it would have a very cool wardrobe for the teaser pictures for that comeback, for the album cover, all of that. So really hoping that is a part of his future as a soloist in some ways. Anyway, so happy anniversary to that song and that iconic Taeyeon performance. And also shout out to him for the really cool play on words because GTA, of course, the original meaning is Grand Theft Auto, but he changed it to be Grand Trouble Artist, as in he's always kind of making trouble, being rebellious and stepping outside of norms and expectations in the music industry. I really found that a unique interpretation, so I hope that he names his whole debut album that actually, that would be very cool. I'd like to take a moment to talk a little more now about Taman's new album, Shameless Plug. My real deep dive into the album and its inspirations and the philosophy views that shape the album and all of that are in my new episode called Taman's Newest Act, so go check that out if you're into Taman's music video universe, but anyway. This new album, Never Get a Dance Again Act 2, topped the iTunes charts in 31 regions around the world, and it topped the charts in 32 regions last time for Act 1, so I am wondering what the heck was up with whatever region did not have it top the charts the same as Act 1, because I find the albums equally good, but I digress. Payment has opened up in recent days, just since my episode about the album came out, more about the meaning of this new album, so I want to share some of his quotes from talking about this album and how they continue to support all of the theories I laid out in that episode. Taman did specify that the cave aspect of Plato's theory of ideas is a metaphor he is really leaning on to describe Plato's theory as it applies to his character about how he felt like he was in the shadow of truth and trying to discover what truth really is, but he was just living in that shadow of ideas that we talked about before. He also noted that for the single idea, Boa is the singer who sings the Killing Me Softly lines, which I should have known, but I guess I didn't, and so that was a fun surprise that Boa sings those vocals. Taman has opened up a lot about the B-side pansy, which refers to the flower. The pansy flower is a symbol of remembrance and wanting someone to remember you. He claims it's really a way that he wants fans to remember him and not forget about him and continue to support him, and he'll continue to support us. But honestly, I think it's still a part of my theory with his music video character, where that would represent wanting that girl or that spirit, that that shadow, that ghost, to remember him and clinging to those memories so I think it has deeper meaning to his character not to just him as a singer outside of the character but that's just me going possibly going overboard again analyzing Apparently, Pansy Day is a real holiday for this flower, and Pansy Day falls on the same day of Shiny, the band's debut. So, a nod to Tayman's band Shiny is in this album, and that's not the only one. Taman did confirm that in some of the promo pics for this album, when he's wearing the marching band uniform, that is intentionally a nod back to Shiny's Everybody music video era but he would not disclose the connection farther. He just said there's a lot of meaning to take from that. So he's really leaving that up intentionally to interpretation, but that's a theory rabbit hole we can go down another day. Another shiny connection here is of course that from bass to ace lyric that he has at the very end of this new album on the track, Identity. So he has a lot of nods to Shiny's work in his work that I really appreciate. Lastly, he has this quote that I found really interesting. When I watch a movie, I'm not inspired by the movie itself, but the feelings I have as I'm watching it. How artists look at other art that inspires them, I always find interesting to kind of get into their head and figure out what it inspired them. And I never really thought about watching movies that way. People always seem to review them based on a plot development or character arcs. But Tateman seems to draw musical inspiration more from the feeling, which makes sense because music is all about how you feel, not really what you see or hear. I just thought that was a really interesting quote that left me in a lot of thought about how we engage with pop culture and what media intake does and causes us to think about and reflect on, and ultimately, what makes a good piece of media content. And I would argue that what makes Taman's music video world so good and captivating isn't even the story that I love to theorize over as much as the root feelings. And this whole answer, again, goes with, along with Plato's theory of ideas that our world, the physical world, like physical media content, is just what it is. It doesn't have meaning, but what really has this perfect, eternally untouched meaning that transcends space and time are the ideas, the feelings behind that media content. And so it goes along with his broader theory to actually look at the world through this unique lens where how you review good media content is not even based on the substance as much as the feeling, the more abstract elements that were needed in order for the substance to even exist. The foundation are the ideas, not the materials. That's why I think Taman's music video world is so intriguing, because I'm not being intrigued and think it's done so well because it has all these plot twists. Yes, those can be there, and those Easter eggs and stuff, but those aren't the actual source of me thinking it's good. The actual source driving why I love Taman's music are the feelings that I get when I get to find Easter eggs, the thrill of noticing a clue to a previous video or other connections, the joy I get at hearing music that just sounds good, it's about the emotions. And I just found that a really interesting way to think about how people review music in other media. I guess i was just kidding before when i said that all of the sm entertainment artist updates were all under one yay category kai from EXO, his solo debut is officially finally coming november 30th the same day that cl is back with a new album the same day n hyphen debuts the same day got seven comes back is also the day when Kai's solo debut happens the audacity to make us that excited on a single day but I love it. And so Kai's debut self titled EP is already available for pre order. It has six tracks that will have various genres. That's all we know so far as of recording time. Really hoping the song he performed with Super A Mentor Confession is on there, as well as other more edgy sides of Kai. But I'm very curious where he, what directions he takes this story. So keep your eyes up for that and keep your ears out because. For sure, when that episode is, when that EP is out, I will do an episode dissecting it and how it adds to the SM Entertainment world as a whole. Yay, number four. Luna has been doing a really cool thing to connect with fans lately, where they literally give us the stars in the sky. Luna members have been sending text updates to fans and also follow-up tweets, but if you want to feel like you get the exclusive gossip before anyone, you can get their text updates anyway. So they're updating fans every time a milestone is hit, whether that's a chart milestone, a number of subscribers, a certain number of songs on a certain chart, whatever it is. If there is an update that shows Luna's growth and success, you get a special text update saying, now, thank you for making this possible. Here is a new star for you. And they're literally giving us stars in the sky where you click on the link and you get to watch a constellation, basically, of stars being formed as a new star is named after orbits after the Luna fans. For example, a text and a follow-up video message after reaching 1.6 million Spotify subscribers is when Luna revealed that orbits. Are getting a, their seventh star and just today before recording we got our eighth star for just giving them a bunch of different billboard chart achievements over time and Luna wanted to express gratitude for that. I'm highlighting this because I think it is more than just some silly way to promote the group. I think it's really really cool and worth noting for anyone who's trying to market artists and their music this year because it's a really cool way to symbolize so much. There are so many layers to this strategy that I find very clever from a marketing standpoint. First of all, the constant updates from LUNA feel very personal. It's one thing to get email updates about an artist, those feel more corporate though. To get a text that says like, hi, I love you, thanks for this, feels a lot more intimate, and that really keeps people a fan. That maintains the fandom in the sense that you are a fan. You're not just a casual listener, you are a member of a very proud group of people that are really making these concrete changes. Second thing I find really smart about this strategy is that it is a way for incentivizing the Luna fans to keep up the good work, to keep up the streaming parties and the mass streaming sessions and the voting online and all of the ways that K-Pop fans especially galvanize online to help milestones be reached for our favorite artists Who watch them celebrate. Now we're further incentivized because we want another text update from them and we want to see us get literally another star in the sky. Third thing that I think is smart about this is that it just gets us talking about the group because I'm talking about them right now because it's such a unique strategy and because we don't really know how much is real. Are we literally getting stars in the sky? I'm guessing not. It's all just through your computer screen, it looks like you are, but it's still a very cool thing to think about, that they are giving us the world, essentially. That room for doubt and that room for just debate and discussion is really smart. Fourth thing I think is smart about this marketing is that it is a way for each fan to enjoy content from their bias in the group. I've talked about this a lot with NCT and other groups with a lot of members. What's so smart about that, marketing-wise, is that fans then will buy more copies of their album because they want to make sure they find their biases photo card. Or the fans will buy more issues of a magazine because they want different covers with different biases. Or it'll get fans to buy different merch cause they want the name of different biases on different merch. Whatever it is, if the the view counts on fan cams, the merch orders, all of that will increase if you've got a bias and maybe a bias record in the group. And then every fan can then have sub fandoms. What I talked about on How to Stand last week was this need for fandoms to always evolve or they will fall apart. And what that does when you have so many members in a band is it lets that fandom continue to evolve because as a fandom subdivides and subdivides, that adds to its longevity and its development. For example, there are some big Taeon super fans like myself and we are also still N-Citizens. So then Taeon enthusiasts basically, we formed kind of a subset within the N-Citizenry. And we then have specific Taeon streaming goals and Taeon conversations, but also NCT ones. And so that keeps the conversation fresh and it keeps the N-Citizens from dying out, really, to have those subgroups to break off into to keep things interesting. So anyway, I just think it's a unique way to help orbits. Have more content to circulate within the subgroups, because if if for nct for example, they did this, and then each time we got a new star awarded to us, one of the members would say would have their video and text update saying, "Hey, it's Teon or whoever it was. here is a star, thanks for this." Then we throughout our circle would retweet and post so each subgroup would be promoting and talking about the video update from a different member. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that spending time giving each member the chance to talk to fans is smart marketing because it keeps the sub-fandoms active. Speaking of smart marketing, my next yay goes to a wonderful mashup of legends in the K-pop world. Psy and JY Park are teaming up for a new music competition show on SBS. It's going to be called Loud, and... Apparently, a new global boy group is going to be created very soon. So by the second half of 2021, they hope to have this boy group all done and picked out. And the applications already opened up November 2nd to be on the show. So it's very fast-paced, as I guess I should be—I should not be surprised by—and have come to expect in the K-pop world by now. Anyway, so the group is apparently going to be supported by both JY Parks and Size Companies when the group debuts and I'm not sure exactly what that means. It's a bit unclear in terms of the contract with both companies, the funding they get from P Nation versus JYP Entertainment. Not sure what it means that both of their companies will support the debut group from this show. What they mean by support is unclear, but it will be interesting to see what group they give rise to nonetheless. Next yay goes to Wenji, who's First EP, a big multilingual project, is out now. This debut EP is called Collabs, and I really love the variety mixed within such a short EP. That already has so much flavor to it, and I'm just very excited for what this means for her musical future. This EP has eight different features on it, despite only having five songs, and six languages are saying on this album. So, very curious what's in store for her future. I love this new globalized music era where we mix languages and songs like that. Speaking of musicians who transcend language barriers very well, BTS is my, gets my next yay for their new cover and interview and everything new that they're getting in their special new edition of Rolling Stone India. This is a special collector's edition that features both old and new interviews and the big interview is now available to read online. I really do enjoy this interview. It's really, it actually, a former guest on the show, Reedy Chakraborty, interviewed them for it. And I really like the questions she asked. I really find them unique and fresh and not the same old questions that they get asked a lot. It's just really insightful and they, they sound like they had a really great conversation. So I really think ARMY will get a lot out of reading that interview. So the official description of the decision to give BTS their own collector's edition of Rolling Stone India said, quote, It is a prestige within the Rolling Stone brand reserved for those who change the fabric of global pop culture. Previous artists to grace the cover of the Collector's Edition include John Lennon, Madonna, Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Taylor Swift, Prince, Nirvana, and David Bowie. BTS were chosen for the November 2020 Collector's Edition because of their incredible drive, barrier-breaking artistry, and monumental impact on the world. Over the past few years, the Septet have established themselves as global superstars, working in tandem with their powerful fandom army to make positive change in the world, all while breaking several global records and setting a new standard of what it means to be an artist in the 21st century. And I could not agree more. My last yay to share is, I guess I lied again, and there's actually a third SM Entertainment-themed yay to talk about today, because SM Entertainment Square is a street that has officially been pronounced in central la so between west west 6th and oxford streets in la you can see SM entertainment square which is just a street right now but it will apparently there are plans to turn into a whole entertainment complex in the future a statement from the la city council said quote we respect the feat made by sm entertainment and its founder lee su man in leading k-pop to the global music industry you know it starts with a street called SM Entertainment Square, and it ends up with a whole N city. I apologize for that joke, I will see myself out, but it's only a half joke. We may get a whole freaking N city's worth of people in in NCT to promote SM around the world at some point. So keep your eyes up for more SM Entertainment Streets. So the summary, yay number one, my interview with Minzy being out now. Yay number two, Kai is coming. Yay number three, more SM Entertainment Artist updates. Yay number four, more broadly, SM Entertainment and their new Street Corner. Yay number five, Luna's new marketing strategy about the stars in the sky. Yay number six, the new J.Y. Park and Psy reality show, singing competition show that is coming. Yay number seven, Wenji's debut EP. And yay number eight, BTS on Rolling Stone India's Collector's Edition. My nay number one has to go to Jihyo and Kane Daniel. They broke up and I don't have much to say about that. I'm just kind of disappointed. I really like them together and I don't know why because it's not like we got a lot of PDA pictures from them or anything that I could like really just adore. It's not like the kind of thing with, like, Brad and Jennifer this year where suddenly everyone is like, I can't get enough of watching their interactions this year. I hope they get back together. It, like, there's nothing equivalent for this relationship that was so under wraps. So I don't know why I was so invested in it, but I was. And I've just, I'm just sad to see that they parted ways, citing their busy schedules. So it's understandable, but the fact they broke up still upsets me. My second nay for today It just goes to the fact that Suga needed shoulder surgery. He did as a precautionary measure, so I guess it's kind of a yay that he took care of it before it got worse, but it's still disappointing he had to deal with that. So BTS's Suga may not be actually promoting their November comeback with them. It's unclear what the timeline will be of his recovery, but he is recovering from a shoulder surgery he had November 3rd. He's had issues with his shoulder for years now he's talked about it before on burn the stage and even in one of his songs the last that came out four years ago he was talking about this in the song so he's cited it in lyrics and just in interviews and stuff before that he's had this this chronic shoulder condition due to what happened after he was hit while he was riding as a delivery boy he was hit by a car during his shift and that had a lasting impact on him but it sounds like this will fix all of that that his chronic shoulder issue will not be chronic anymore somehow if he got this sur- the surgery so anyway so he took care of that and i just wish him the best and a speedy recovery lots more in the k-pop world happening lately to address so here are your rapid fire headlines of the week bts won four out of five of the emas they were nominated for for best song best group biggest fans and best virtual live event in at the EMA, Stray Kids won for Best Korean Act. They had gone up against Astro, Everglow, Card, and VICTON. Tight competition, but Stray Kids came out on top. BTS received the Wall Street Journal's 2020 Music Innovator Award and will get a Wall Street Journal November cover in tribute to them. This is the 10th year this award has been given, and they virtually attended a ceremony to accept that award, which also featured big stars like Ethan Hawke, James Corden, Jennifer Lopez, so many others. And BTS won in the worldwide hit category for the San "On" at the KCA's Mexico. They also won the Fave Fandom Award while they were there. There are a bunch of artists, in less exciting news, that are taking a temporary break from K-pop promotional activities. Heechul from Super Junior will miss out on their 15-year band anniversary celebrations due to having to quarantine because of potential exposure to someone with the coronavirus. Heechul's own test did come back negative, but he's quarantining out of an abundance of caution. Ji Sun from NCT is taking a little break due to a knee injury. Wee-In from Mamamoo is experiencing muscle pain and will temporarily take a hiatus as well. Unha from G-Friends is not going to promote their latest album with them due to an eye condition, technically called corneal inflammation, that she is dealing with. Bull 4 is going on a temporary hiatus citing anxiety. Mill from Only One Of is going on a temporary hiatus due to what the company says is him, quote, breaking team rules and that's as specific as they will get for why he is suddenly in a timeout of sorts. So all of Only One of upcoming activities for now, including a drive through fan meeting, will not include Mill. He won't even be featured on their latest YouTube daily vlogs and things like that while they decide how to punish him for what remains unclear. Social media updates. Dreamcatcher are the latest artists to have joined Weverse, and Hyphen has their own channel now on the Coos app. Soon Sieg is the latest K-pop star to join Instagram. Crush has left for military service and Yunmin from ab 6 just enlisted. N has left Jellyfish Entertainment after eight years there, but promises to continue promoting with his fellow VIX members, although he will also pursue solo activities through 51K, his new agency. The boys are the newest Goodwill ambassadors for Save the Children. Jisook from the girl group Rainbow just got married. Eyes One are the first stars to be known to be attached to a new project that is releasing in early 2021, a K Pop fan platform called Universe. A lot more details will be coming soon. Wei, one of the newest K pop boy bands, officially announced their fandom name, which is spelled R U I. I believe it is pronounced Rue I, as their their name is W E I, pronounced Wei, I. And Rue I is their fandom name. R.U. meaning the 16th out of 28 main constellations, and W.E. would be the 17th out of 28 constellations. So they're next to each other if you're looking at ways to abbreviate constellations, and that really formed the basis of their fandom name. That's the story behind it. And also they want to emphasize that We, W-E, is shining a light down on the constellation R-U, while at the same time R-U is guiding the W-E constellation. And so they're there for each other, essentially, is what they try to convey through that message. Also, it stands for, if you spread out the letters, it stands for R-U-I, which is like posing a question to fans wondering if they are your destiny in a way, if they are destined to be your fan. Naver Z, the company that owns Zepetto, that avatar game, just received some major new investments from K-pop companies, so I would expect a lot more K-pop stars to have avatars in Zepetto in the future. We already have Blackpink and TWICE having their avatars in there. I bet many more will follow. JYP and YG Entertainment both separately just invested 5 billion won in this company, and Big Hit Entertainment invested 7 billion won. I wonder if the number seven was used intentionally. i appreciate that wink if that was the case. Rolling Stone Korea is coming. This will become Rolling Stone's 12th international edition, which I am super excited to hear more details about soon. Rolling Stone Korea's release follows the release of Billboard Korea, which came out starting in October of last year. The official statement confirming this news said, quote, We see limitless possibilities for growth as leaders in the K-pop industry, domestically and overseas, as we aim to create a cultural world that's unified through music. Reportedly, The Hollywood Reporter is also trying to seek out a way to have a Korea-specific edition soon. So we have billboard korea we have rolling stone korea now look out for the hollywood reporter korea last update for today the rapper swings is accused of plagiarizing mino from winner who has been promoting his second solo album take swings has this new book cover out that is the exact same shade of orange with the black font that looks exactly like mino's album cover But Swing's cleared the air on Instagram, insisting it was just a coincidence and included statements from his publisher, who actually broke down step-by-step how they decided to come up with the color and font scheme for Swing's book cover and why they did, what the deeper meaning of it was, and how it represented Swing's book best. And then they insisted they really didn't see Mino's album cover as they created Swing's book cover. And the publisher went so far as to say that even if we had known Mino was doing this with the same colors and font, we would have gone through with using it for ourselves too anyway, just because it has very specific intentional meaning for swings in the story he wants to tell. So it seems like there are no hard feelings, and as of recording time, Mino hasn't really said anything about this, so if he even knows about it, he's probably okay with it. Some stat updates, Teon and Hitchhiker's collab around just reached 5 million views. Super M's Tiger Inside video just reached 35 million views. Stray Kids Backdoor video just reached 80 million. And a lot of videos are entering the 100 million views club this week Stray Kids with Miro, twice with I Can't Stop Me, NCTU with Make a Wish, which is their fastest video to reach 100 million views, and IU and Suga's Collab 8. 350 million views club, Got 7 is the latest entry there with Just Right. 400 million views on Blackpink's How You Like That Dance Practice video, and 400 million streams on Blackpink's Kill This Love single. 550 million views now reached by BTS's Dynamite, and BTS's Dope just reached 600 million, and BTS's Fake Love just reached 800 million. 900 million views reached by Blackpink's As If It's Your Last, and 1.1 billion views, the fastest K-pop video ever to reach that milestone, for Blackpink's Kill This Love video. Other stats Treasure's newest single has topped the iTunes charts in at least eight different countries and topped several music charts in Japan. Also, super successful in Japan right now is Eyes One. Their latest Japanese album, 12, is now certified gold there. Mino's sophomore album, Take, surpassed 110,000 sales in its first week. Mamamoo's new EP Travel reached number one on iTunes in twenty nine regions around the world, and Aya, their single from that album reached number one on iTunes in twelve regions around the world. And Hyphen's debut album has already surpassed one hundred and fifty thousand pre orders and they don't even debut until november thirtieth. NCT's Resonance Part 1 has surpassed 1.4 million sales. And lastly, BTS's Mic Drop is their latest on To Go Silver in the UK. Lots of headlines being made by Seventeen lately. The8 just released his latest contemporary art video on YouTube. I will link to that on my weekly newsletter update for the show on my website. Seventeen's latest album, Semicolon, just surpassed one million album sales, making them million album sellers for the second time. Also, the Home Run music video party version is now out, and it's super cute. Highly recommend you watch it semicolon also just surpassed 10 million spotify streams hoshi and mingyu will be on running man november 15th they now have three albums in their discography with over a million copies sold on the united world chart semicolon just became the fifth album this year not this fifth 17 album the fifth album overall this year to have over a million sales in its first week Two more Seventeen updates I want to take a moment to recognize. One is not so much an update as just I want a moment to appreciate the fact that Seventeen ended their home run promotions on the K-pop music shows by saying Seventeen will be back. And remember, they started their home run promotions by saying 17 come back, and they ended with 17 will be back. And I just thought that was really a very cute detail. They always add so many hidden little details in their performances, and that was another one that deserves our attention. Last thing is the most wild and exciting. Wild was not a pun I intended to use there, but there you go. Exciting news update for Carrots. Carrots, Seventeen's fans, adopted a tiger in Hoshi's name. If you know anything about Seventeen, and especially Hoshi, you know that is his thing. The meme where, it's, where it shows nobody asking, and then suddenly something happens, that meme is what we're talking about here, where it's nobody, and then suddenly Hoshi will be like, remember I love tigers. So that's what he's been like, and anyway, that's why Carrots adopted a tiger in his name, a white tiger named Kayla from a Malaysian zoo, And this live stream event actually led to fans raising the money needed to go through with this adoption. Fans, through this live stream, raised $500 that was initially needed to carry out the adoption for this tiger named Kayla on a Colorado animal sanctuary. One user actually donated $10.10, a reference to 1010, one of Hoshi's nicknames, which I really appreciate. So another really unique, quirky sign that being a carrot is truly one of the most rewarding and interesting fandoms to be in, so please join us if you haven't already. When we come back, we will talk about the results from an experiment we talked about on an earlier episode about... Would a COVID outbreak happen at a concert if special precautions were taken? I'll share the results as well as talk about other plans in place for 2021 concerts. The ideas Ticketmaster is throwing around and what other companies are doing in the world of online concerts, very 2020 concert experiences, all of that. The Humanity Archive is your home for the most provocative, honest, and fascinating stories from history. With the most compelling narratives and diverse conversations, this is not the story you learned in school. The Humanity Archive by Jermaine Fowler is a podcast now available. It is my recommendation of the week. You can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Woolum Entertainment is the first k-pop company to try to go back to in-person fan meet since the COVID pandemic really, really spread massively more than ever around the world so they're trying they're first to try to dip their toe into stepping back into more normal fan meetings for lack of a better term so what they decided to do is have a fan meeting where 30 fans would be in attendance throughout the event only 30 could show up There would not be a waiting room to avoid crowding. They would just have to wait around, spread out outside, and then wait for a message telling them it was their turn to enter. And then one fan at a time got to go into the fan meet, had to get their temperature checked at the door, and had to stay six feet apart from others, and including the artists. There were also plastic dividers in place, a mask requirement, and as of recording time, it has not led to any confirmed cases. So it may have been quite a success. And it sounds like it was still fun for fans because with less people, there was less time that would need to be spent on each individual fan. So now they each got two minutes with each member of the band they were meeting, as opposed to the maybe 30 seconds they would have gotten earlier. But this time they each got two minutes and it sounds like it went quite well and that everyone seemed to be in good spirits for it which left me in a lot of thought about what that means for the future of fan meetings and ways to go forward with them before maybe there's a COVID vaccine, if we do it very safely. Another thing that gives me hope about that is the result from that experiment we talked about on a previous episode, where Germany carried out this experiment in August. Martin Luther University headed this study where they had this pop concert in Germany at an indoor venue, and they had 1,400 people show up, and they had you know, tracking devices of sorts, and this fluorescent light that would show up that showed how much different surfaces were touched throughout the evening. All sorts of controls were put in place to study, and basically they just wanted to see how, they wanted to test out how much a virus would spread among these volunteers at an indoor concert. What they found was very promising, that there were, it was not like a massive outbreak happened at this indoor concert. They found out that The risk, if you have a great, well-ventilated environment like they had in other safety precautions like social distancing, strict rules about hygiene, good ventilation, there was a very, very low, what they called low low to very low risk of spreading COVID at this indoor show. There are, of course, as always, caveats. This study has not been peer-reviewed officially yet, and all of the controls they did put in place are not exactly easy to get, like the fog machine, the fluorescent disinfectant that helped them keep track of how much surfaces were being used and needed to be cleaned. All of that takes a big budget, and it also takes a lot of caution and care and attention and staff to take care of that, and that is not exactly easy to duplicate. So those are some caveats to keep in mind, but this is quite promising and pleasantly surprising to hear that an event that we all worried was the last thing that would come back and help us go, you know, quote-unquote, back to normal would ever come about that seems the farthest away in the future. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's a way to go back sooner and safely. Also worth noting are two more things. One being that similar studies are still being carried out across Europe. This is just the first result, so I will keep you posted. And the second thing is that regardless of vaccine status, Ticketmaster has plans for shows in 2021. Here are some of the quotes from Ticketmaster's statement where they talked to Billboard about what would happen if they went about doing this sort of tracing program to track fans at these shows and see how it works. Quote, After purchasing a ticket for a concert, fans would need to verify they have already been vaccinated or test negative for coronavirus approximately 24 to 72 hours before the event. Once the test was complete, the fan would instruct the lab to deliver the results to their health pass company. If the tests were negative or the fan was vaccinated, the health pass company would verify the attendee's status to Ticketmaster, which would then issue the fan the credentials needed to access the event. If a fan tested positive or didn't take a test to verify their status, they would not be granted access to the event. There's still many details to work out, but the goal of the program is for fans to basically, and then goes on to say, find a way to prevent outbreaks. So it sounds like Ticketmaster's plan is less about keeping everyone safe and more about avoiding an outbreak at the show so far, but they have a lot of details to iron out still, but they are having meetings and discussions about what to do, hoping to bring back concerts before 2022, so I'll keep you posted on this as well. I'm not sure how easily it will work, but we've talked before about like Jay Chu's show in Taiwan that was filled 10,000 seats and no outbreak that I know of happened because they took precautions and everyone very willingly gave their information to the event to keep them in touch for contact tracing, and so they stopped a big outbreak from happening after that event, so it depends a lot on the fans and how much they will trust and be willing to give some of their personal information for the sake of contact tracing, and if they are unreasonable about that, then it doesn't sound like it will go forward. So. This strategy has a lot of issues because if if it's a case-by-case basis where certain venues have super agreeable fans and super uh, resistant fans in other venues, then how do you go about executing this strategy efficiently? There's a lot to deal with, but they are in talks about it, which gives me some hope for the return of live shows because I really miss them. But in the meantime, we still have some virtual online concerts to look forward to. The latest announcement coming from Big Hit Entertainment The label-wide, including all the sub-labels under Big Hit Entertainment now, the label-wide concert event is going to be on New Year's Eve and it's going to be through Weavers and it will even have a New Year's Eve countdown and stuff. So now you, you do have plans for New Year's this year. It apparently may have some offline components too, although I'm not sure what that would mean. And of course, that's always subject to change due to COVID. 17, unfortunately, is confirmed to not be attending because of a scheduling conflict, but hopefully we'll see more end-of-the-year performances from them elsewhere. The official confirmed lineup includes N-Hyphen, New East, bumzu TXT, Lee Hyun, and of course, BTS. Another big online event is HaliU Fest, which will be November 16th through 23rd. This event is through V Live, and 230 countries will be able to access and watch the show, which is a lot more than a concert. It ends on November 23rd with the K-pop concert, but it's also a way for a lot more Hallyu to be spread throughout the event. It's a conference of sorts which will include these what they call live commerce sessions, online video conferences, a way to help promote you businesses. 79 local Korean companies will be involved in the live streamed auctions slash business meetings of sorts that are happening. It will be hosted by the Culture Ministry in Korea, and they issued a statement saying, quote, this event will provide comfort to people around the world who are exhausted from COVID-19 while providing helpful opportunities to local businesses through the power of Hallyu, and it's being produced by the Culture Ministry's brand new department. They now have a new department called the Hallyu Department, which is set on helping promote and spread K-pop, and other K-culture. It just formed this past June, and it continues to try to diversify and spread the word about Korean culture. So I'm very excited what this has in store for the regarding future implications for Hallyu, and this Hallyu wave will be further uh, helped if there is a way to help local businesses keep afloat during this time. So that's what this festival is ultimately hoping to do, and then bring along a lot of entertainment as well. The lineup is so huge; it includes everyone from Super M to Loco to Monsta X to ITZY. Oh my girl! There's so many, so I highly recommend checking it out. Again, that will be November 23rd through V Live. More shows to mark your calendars for: One US is having an online concert November 28th at 1 p.m. Korean Standard Time, which will be 11 a.m. Chicago time, from My Music Taste Live, and the KBS Song Festival can be viewed. It'll be December 18th, but without an audience this year. So it's still going on this year, but not with an audience, which is no surprise. That is all for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to 17 Karat K-Pop. Make sure next week you stay tuned because I have new episodes of How to Stand Will Be Sunday and then two new 17 Karat K-Pops next week, which themes I will keep secret probably another news update episode, but at least one that is different. I have ideas for it and I don't want to share them yet, but stay tuned. Thank you all for listening and if I could recommend one thing for you to listen to this weekend, it would again be Juhani's Mixtape Psyche. Yes, I'm just throwing this reference in there mainly because I need the pun to work for the title of this episode. I talked about Psy, but I need the Psyche part. Also because I really am revisiting it and loving it more and more with each listen this week. Juhani's Psyche Mixtape is really his best work yet. It is just so in your face, so accurate action-packed very impressive job well done very vulnerable wall so very like edgy he mixes a lot of vibes and i love it so go check out the psyche mixtape and i will see you next week